Let's do it, Robbie. Young Springer! Hey, Brad. Do you hear have it? Have you seen Steel Magnolias? Oh, my God, yes. I love that movie. Jonesy, you've seen it, right? Uh-uh. Hey, Tony. Yeah. You've seen Dracula, right? Oh, I love that movie. It's so good. Lena, you've seen it. What do you think? Young Springer! Hey, Brent, have you seen <laughs> Weekend at Bernie's? Oh, my God! Weekend at Bernie's saved my life. Josie, you have to have seen it. Oh, my God! No! No, I haven't. Me of course not. Insane Nightmare on Elm Street. It's the best. That movie scared the shit out of me when I was a kid. You know, out of you. I have not seen that one, and I will be praying for all of your souls. It's your film spring, Alina. I haven't seen it. It's showtime. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Film Springer. It feels like we haven't been here in a while. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is a podcast all about your favorite films and your shelter friend that's never seen them. I am Tony, and I'm here with... I'm Brynn, guys. And our very lovely sheltered friend who is all the way in Japan right now. <laughs> Konnichiwa! <laughs> oh, I'm Lena, and that's all I know how to say in Japanese so far, guys. <laughs> what time is it over in J- in Japan right now? It is 10:35 in the morning. Wow! And okay. where where in Japan are you at? Um, I am a little bit south, maybe say an hour and a half in the car from Tokyo. Oh, okay, nice. Look how at far you. are you from Kyoto? I have no idea. Do you know where Kyoto is? <laughs> okay, so this week we are doing a very, very classic film from 1983, coming-of-age teenage drama, The Outsiders, is what we're going to be talking about on this show, The Outsiders, this uh, directed by Francis Ford Coppola. This was one of his very first films that he directed, right? Yeah. This Was this after Apoc- Apocalypse Now? I yeah, can't it remember. was after. Yeah. And yeah, then was it... Oh, really? We should, At all? we should do that. That's a good film. Was it before or after The Godfather? Do you remember, Bryn? I think it was before. I want to say it was too. But I mean... This film are has screaming at us at home. They're I know like, they are. They're like you beforehand. I know. <laughs> Don't ask each other on the show. I know. But it has everybody in this film before they became like super famous stars. I mean, you have C. Thomas Howell, Rob Lowe, Emilio Estevez, Matt Dillon, Tom Cruise, Patrick Swayze, Ralph Macchio, Diane Lane, a very young Diane Lane. So beautiful. Yeah. Very young. But let's watch the um, trailer yeah, and get trailer. into the outside before we start getting into the film. The Outsiders. Pony Boy. Dallas. Johnny. Cherry, Soda Pop, Daryl, Two Bit, Steve, Bob, Essie Hinton's classic novel comes to the screen. 
capturing all the intensity, all the excitement, all the emotions of youth. The Outsiders, directed by Francis Coppola. Okay, first thing I want to point out in that trailer, <laughs> does that sound like close every door to me from Joseph oh, and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat? Like, it sounds like close every door. Is it? Is it? Yeah, I don't know if it is. because Jonesy, you're our, our resident theater. theater is it? Isn't yes. it? I noticed that right away. Okay, I was like, I know this song. I know the show. <laughs> I was just, you stole it from me. I was like, it sounds like we have been promised a land of our own. own. Yes. Oh, so yeah. The other thing is, who in that trailer was like, you know what we should do? What? Just name all the characters. I, seriously. Bob. Bob. Well, the names, like you've got Soda Pop. Cherry. And then they're like, Daryl. Daryl. <laughs> Bob. Daryl. So like, someone in the back was like, we should stop after like Pony Boy. Yeah. And no, no. <laughs> said no. Name them all. Patrick Swayze. He has a dumb name in this movie, but he still gets top billing. Yup. Yeah, <laughs> so Brent. Cherry. Cherry. Like, <laughs> Carl. Brent. Steve from down the street. <laughs> John from IT. T. <laughs> Barbara from financing. <laughs> So grateful they don't do uh, previews like that. I anymore. know. <laughs> so, Bryn, give us a quick rundown of the plot of what this film is about. <laughs> this is tough. Yeah. Um, because the plot ostensibly is about uh, the main character Pony Boy, and he and his friends are greasers, mm-hmm. and they are from the wrong side of the track. And then they get into fights with the socias who are the socialites and the rich kids. Nudie kids. Nudie kids. And so I can Ralph Macho is being terribly abused physically and emotionally at his home. So much so that when the socias attack Ponyboy and are literally trying to drown him. Ralph Macho goes into a dissociative state and fucking murders them all. Or just one, one of them. them. There, one there of are them. four or five of them lying on the ground in carnage in that scene. <laughs> and then just one of them dies. He stabbed many of them. No, there, there was one. one. The other one's flat. I swear to God. No, no, no. Go back and watch okay. the trailer. There are several <laughs> bodies lying on the ground. There's a lot of blood to indicate where the bodies were. <laughs> So then he went into a manic rage and just like stabbed everybody with a pocket knife. Stabbed all the socias, rightfully so. (laughs) I was going to say, it's self-defense. Right? Yeah, for sure, dude. And so um, once Ralph Macchio decides that, or wakes up and he's like, I killed them all. Pony Boy wakes up. See Thomas Holland is like, we got to go on the run. Matt Dillon helps them find a church to hide in. They go on the run. Fun times on the run for a little bit. They would gone with the wind. Very romantic. So random. Smoke then, a lot of cigarettes, um, eat a lot of bologna sandwiches. Yeah. My kind of life. <laughs> Got new hairdos. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Then um, they, after hi- being on the run for a little bit, there is a church fire with orphans in an abandoned church building. Why is yeah. the school bus there? Did they take yeah. the children there to church. play in the abandoned church? When, was that the same church that they were hiding in? Yes. No, so, it wasn't. Yeah, that was yes, so was weird. Because the reason it caught on fire because um, Ralph Macchio smoked and Pony Boy's like, "Watch your cigarette." 
there is a scene. That's right. They had to unboard it. Why are you letting these children play in this area? This isn't a part of the okay. So then (laughs) the greasers save these kids from a fire, church fire. And then they become heroes, but then they they go back home, and then there's mm-hmm. a big final fight for no the reason. The rumble. There's a rumble, and um, Ralph Macchio dies. Then he says, "Stay gold, Pony Boy," from that Robert Frost poem. And yeah. life is sad. I know. And then Dallas dies too at the end. Spoiler alert: Dallas Matt Dillon's too. character suicide by cop. You know? Yeah, yeah. That's like the gist. That's like the real, real brief synopsis. Real brief. Of, I don't know how what to tell you guys about that. I can be hide nor tail of it's like a West Side story without the romance and without the, the fun songs. We should come together. Yeah. The, so that yes. it's like, look at what we're doing. It's a Romeo and Juliet. It's like, look at what we're doing. We're destroying each other. This is just like everybody dies and who cares? Everybody, no one learns. It was like it. a cross between West Side stories and the Warriors. And the warrior. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Like two rival gangs. What are they really fighting about? Nothing. This is another film we picked with problematic parents. Where the They're fuck are all the parents at? They're Besides Ponyboy and, and Soda Pop and Dylan's characters, because their parents died in a car accident. And Patrick Swayze's character, Dylan, has to raise his brothers, Soda Pop and Ponyboy. Which, very real question. At 1.2 bit says. Yeah. Daryl could be, or Patrick Swayze, what's his name? Is it Daryl? Yeah. Is it Daryl? Hold on. I, or am I getting get confused with? That people are Yeah, Daryl. Because it, I get him confused with Matt Dillon's character, who is Dallas. Dallas. So Daryl yeah, is that. Patrick Swayze, yeah. Um, He said, so Tubit says, if it weren't for us, Daryl could be a Soch. And I did not yeah. understand that. Because his brothers bring him down. Yeah, so I think it's because or he's still from the wrong side of the tracks. Yeah, that's but I think sense. maybe he was successful enough in whatever work he was doing yeah. that he put, if he, he wasn't was taking camp. care of two people, but didn't he own the garage? Oh, I he thought own? he owned the garage and Soda popped work there at the garage that's with Two Bit. No, not with Two Bit, with Steve, <laughs> Tom yeah, Cruise's character. character. Which is a psychopath, by the way. <laughs> yeah, that kid has issues. <laughs> Jesus. So I the feel film like that was young Tom Cruise meth, like totally who he was actually. That's him yeah. going to the Rumble and he's shaking Rob Lowe. Yep. Like, Rob Lowe must be terrified. I know. Yep. <laughs> so the whole yeah, film okay. to me was it really about like just these group of teenagers trying to just get through it in a way with shitty parents that are nowhere to be seen especially ralph macchio's character johnny his parents like beat the shit out of him yeah, and like even when ralph Ma- when johnny disappears to go on the run his parents don't even wonder where the fuck he is you know there's nobody like, asked ask about me no nobody Dylan's asked like, about him <laughs> like, they no. also show that one scene where i guess it's the dad who's beating the shit out of the, the mom. mom yeah so, like it's yeah. just all, all bad in that house yeah. and I did want to say, I don't know what Warriors is, but another comparison movie. Yeah. I thought it was Grease without the musical and much more depressing. Grease? <laughs> this is like Grease 2 without Michelle Pfeiffer. <laughs> Grease, but in, instead of the car driving off, everyone dies. Everyone dies. They just get killed <laughs> at the end. In a rumble. So this film also, um, uh, the, I mean... First off, let's talk about the cast. Let's talk about the cast and how all the cast was really unknowns at the time. 
But I watched this short documentary this week on the ca- what I found fascinating about this film was the casting. The casting process of this film was done how you typically do a theater or a Broadway show or like just a show where you go in and everybody's watching you audition. Oh, type like of a thing. Yeah, yeah, so it was filmed in a sound stage. The audition was in a sound stage and it was the who who of young actors at the time. Um, and they all came to audition. They all knew each other and they all watched each other audition. And uh, Francis Ford Coppola was in the audition and running the audition. And he literally was like Emilio Estevez, Tom Cruise, y- y- Michael C. Hall, whoever else. Now you guys go up and had everybody switch parts in the middle. Like everybody like, read for, yeah. like, yeah. Um, so when I was watching, Rob Lowe said he had never been to an audition that was set up this way, especially for film and TV, um, and that there hasn't been an audition process like this since then for film and TV that oh, was so run weird. like that. Yeah. It's really fascinating. You can find it on YouTube, but they have a documentary about the casting process for Outsiders. Um, it's really interesting. What, John? do something similar with his daughter's movie which he was a producer on virgin suicides virgin, virgin suicides movie. yeah i, I think it was something, something similar yeah with the cast yeah and you all need the to get the chemistry right yeah and you need to be able to move and piece it around to yeah. figure out because it's all because there's so many ancillary characters yeah in this it's all a bunch of like rowdy teenage guys which is those leaf garrett played the soch that gets murdered i know which was so but i like how matt dylan was in the audition and francis ford coppola said oh we're done with you and you can go home and he excused him early above everybody out before anybody else and so he left the audition thinking he completely yeah. bombed it called his agent and his agent said oh no Francis Ford Coppola already cast you. That's why he let you go. Because <laughs> he oh, had already decided Matt of Dillon's going to play. Of course, you feel terrible. Down, They're like, Dallas. keep everyone. They're like, you're done. You're no, done. I, Bye. to me before in a play. And it yeah. is like, no, we don't like you. Go. Go. Yeah, exactly. But it, I just thought the the if you want, you can find it on YouTube, like I said. But the audition process was very interesting, I thought, for this oh. for this play. So it's based off of the the book, which is written by... Um, what S. is her Hinton. name? Huh? S.E. Hinton. S.E. Hinton, who got in a lot of heat a couple years ago. Did you read about that? Yeah. So she wrote this book in high school. And, and she was like, 15 or 16 at the time. Yes. Just yeah. like crazy success. And then recently people were saying that I cannot remember Rob Macho's character's name. Um, Johnny. Johnny. But the Johnny and Pony boy, there was romantic. They had yes. always you know, um, envisioned, like a lot of people, the readers had said, like, we'd always envisioned that like the, the true romance of the story was Johnny and Ponyboy. And Essie Hinton, the author was like, no, no, I didn't write them as gay. No, they're not gay. And, and so like, it led to a big Twitter it. thing where people were like, well, you right. know, you write a piece of work, but people interpret it a certain way. And she's like, no, that's right. not how I wrote it. And she was, I read all the tweets in the article and I was like, God, she sounds like a bitter old lady, a bitter old bitch. But it's like, like she why just go to like, that extent to be like, no, I don't want you to interpret no. it that way. Yeah, don't like, interpret it. When my I work watched it, when I read the book, that is how I interpreted it. Yeah, and when you watch so the movie, I. that is the major like romance. It's like they're reading Gone with the Wind to each other and feeding each other bologna sandwiches. And you're like, yes. So it's like, why come out and why not just say, like, I'm so glad that this is like a piece that transcends that and people, you know, in tune yeah. what they want into it. She's like, no. She's a homophobe. 
Who yeah, that's exactly she how I wrote it. Well, she also said, I, I, she said um, at the time, somebody said they thought it was just cute that the two characters would have been gay. And she said, would you think it's cute that somebody's gay in 1960? Ask them. And then she said in another tweet that I don't write, I don't write black characters because I'm not black. What? I know. I was oh. like, oh, and then she got in heat what? for that. And I was like, she's what just are you a talking dumb, about dumb. So but she makes her an and appearance. Rowling are I know. They're best <laughs> friends. <laughs> they get coffee every, every Tuesday. By just being a bigot. It's like, oh, why? I know. Shut up. But like, she also makes an appearance in the film. Back. The writer makes <laughs> yeah. an appearance in the film yeah. at the end. The nurse that Dallas pulls a knife on is her. And she, and she had very fond memories of film of the filming of this movie and was kind of like the mom to all of these young actors during the filming of the film. As long um, as they weren't gay. As long as they weren't gay. And I also thought it was interesting that F- Francis Ford Coppola decided the people, the car- the actors who played the socias got their scripts in a leather bound case and was put up in a hotel in the luxury up like top parts in the luxury <laughs> hotel rooms where the greasers are given just like paperback scripts and made to stay on the ground level because he wanted to build tension between the actors so I they would bring it. it on set. <laughs> It's like in Saving Private Ryan, all the actors had to go to boot camp except for Matt Damon. Yeah. Because they realized his mother was like, I want you to fucking hate him. <laughs> it's like, okay, man. I love it when directors do that. Actors, I have been like, on the receiving end where like right? a director has come up to me backstage and been like, okay, so I want you to do that spit take in her face. <laughs> no. <laughs> I know. Also, what I thought was interesting, Francis Ford Coppola wanted Matt Dillon to spend a night in jail to understand the character of Dallas. And (laughs) Matt Dillon refused and said, no way, Francis. How about you go spend a night in jail? And tell me what it's like. Yeah, and tell me what it's like. Like, Listen, spending one night in jail knowing I'm going to get out, it's not like actually being a person in a desperate situation. No, you're not going to get anything out of it. Psychologically getting me in the frame because I'm a rich actor who will still be acting tomorrow. Yeah. (laughs) Well, things just go wrong. So I feel like anyone heard that Matt Dillon was in that prison and then there's no more Matt Dillon. No more Matt Dillon. (laughs) I also didn't realize he was such a good actor. Yeah. Yeah, he's he really good. plays like, film. you know, like, blah, characters now, you know? Yeah. I really only know him from something about Mary. Really? About That's it? Thing. Oh, my God. He's nope, done so much, so many, so many wild things. Yeah. Yeah. Have you seen wild things, Lena? I have seen a lot of parts of it, but I don't think I've ever seen it beginning to do. end. That's the one with Denise Richards and um, yeah. what's her name? And the big Campbell. Yeah. Nev Campbell. Oh, yeah. I've seen that whole scene. (laughs) That whole scene. (laughs) All right. I wouldn't be surprised if we never saw Denise Richards again. Again. Housewives. (laughs) Bravo. Fucking bravo. (laughs) Bravo. You should just say that for anything. I'd never be surprised. That's what Trixie tells us. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I would be known when Denise Richards again. I just oh, like, the, I'm Denise fucking I mean, Richards. Richards. <laughs> so, Brynn, let's get into when you first watched this film and how you got introduced to The Outsiders. Do you remember? <laughs> I do remember. So, I remember, like, being in, it was freshman year of high school. Okay. So, an appro- appropriate age yeah. for my, you know, my life. Um, and it was, like, because I was super into theater 
And it was like, I think I was, oh God, um, in an acting trip that was like, we should put on The Outsiders, like a reading of it as a play. And so we like watched it and we thought we were like, like very, and then we were like, no, there's no girl parts in this. Why are we doing this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't apply to me at all. Um, it done it reverse like- gendered. Ooh, that <laughs> yeah. would've been good. That would be so good. I did the reverse gender odd couple and that was fun. Um, so I like remember like thinking like it was like very cool and like very serious. Like the Robert Frost, I definitely yeah. wrote down that Robert Frost poem in like my my journal. Like, um, and there's so many people in it. Yeah. Like just so many people. And then I remember like having like a huge crush on Diane Lane. Cause she's just like, <laughs> I don't identify with them calling her cherry cause her hair is red. Cause it's not. Um, no, <laughs> it wasn't. Cause it's not. <laughs> Um, but like, just like thinking of like, she was so beautiful. And yeah. I remember reading, cause she took a break from acting after that too. Oh, I didn't oh. know that. Well, I also yeah. know that Matt Dillon and her in the film, um, uh, Francis Ford Coppola wanted Matt Dillon to be not nice to Diane Lane. So it would read good on camera. So by the end of the film, she really didn't like Matt Dillon. Yeah. And then after the film, they actually became pretty good friends and they starred in another Francis Ford Coppola, Rumblefish, right after it. Rumblefish, yeah. yeah. And they were in, and they did a few films together. And now, in an, in an interview about The Outsiders, Diane Lane had said that that had happened, but her and Matt Dillon ended up becoming pretty good friends later on in life. Lane. I was like, oh, that's cute. That's so sweet. Yeah. I love that story. That time when we were young and we were made to hate each, each other. other. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but I just, you know, remember thinking it's like, yeah, The Outsiders. But I think even at the time I was just like what is this do I like this, is this you know like it's like socioeconomic strife yeah. I guess you know and, yeah. and that's very true but like you know ostensibly it's like what is the what is the real conflict here mm-hmm. we're all very attractive white people that's true that it's Ralph Macchio person oh, of color no. only one that's in there true. yeah just, just that just the just one the one just that one <laughs> just the one the karate kid what's happening here so but yeah yeah yeah. i remember like liking it and thinking it was like cool and avant-garde yeah like you know there were a lot of cool people in it um tom cruise i hate him (laughs) yeah so what about you tony so i actually watched this in high school I read that we had to read the book. I remember, I think it was junior year of high school. We read the book in one of my English classes. And then we had to watch the film. And I remember I just thought it was so homoerotic. <laughs> All these yes. boys running around and Robin Rob Lowe coming out of the shower half naked. Oh yeah. And Tom Cruise well, and showing his guns all the time. When Dallas comes out of that the cowboy bar oh, and he only has a yeah. shirt on. You're like, what's going, what's going on back on? there? And they're like, And then he brings up like, Johnny and Pony Boy to the bedroom. I was like, yes. oh, I'm I was like, into what is this, this here? Yeah, I re- right. and then I remember when I watched the film in high school. I remember I liked it because I could relate to it. It was about teenagers and the whole teenage angst and all of that. Two different social classes. Um, and then I probably didn't revisit the film till maybe my maybe my early twenties, maybe mid twenties. And I remember like, oh, this is good. And then I rewatched it now, and I'm like, okay. I went into when we watched it for the show. I went into it going. 
more nostalgic. I had my nostalgic glasses on. So I was really prepared to be taken back to like when I was in high school and I watched this film. So I enjoyed it for that aspect and the fact that some of the scenes are filmed very much on a green screen. Like when he says the poem and it's the sunset reminds me (laughs) of Gone with the Wind, the book they read in the film. It reminded me of like some of the scenes from that, how they filmed it. So watching it now i was like oh wow this is way darker than i remember like a little not i wouldn't say there's not a lot of problematic stuff with it except for maybe a few parts but you can tell that it is a very young francis ford coppola directing it and he hadn't had found his niche in direct he was still getting his feet wet that's how i felt about it now watching it now i still really enjoyed the movie but i'll be honest not as much as i did when i first watched it and the second or third time i watched it in my 20s and it's been a good 15 years until now since i watched it so yeah i hadn't seen it in a really long time I mean, there is a lot. It was really cool seeing a lot of these really young actors before they made it big and seeing kind of like them young and like starting out. It was that part I was like really free, like especially Matt Dillon, who was so like loose in his feels and it's like so dramatic. And like, I think you sort of pull back as you get older. So it was cool. Tom Cruise got risky business based off of this film because the directors of Risky Business saw him in this and really liked them. So. Or he was, he actually got the script in the middle of The Outsiders and was preparing for Risky Business when he was filming The Outsiders. I was going to say, that's shocking because I don't think his performance in this film is that standout. That's what it was. He was reading, he was reading the script or had already gotten cast during the. the, I was probably watching this film, picked any other person. Any other. Any other. But he did, did during the rumble scene, Tom Cruise did actually get socked in the jaw and he had to get emergency um, dental work done um, for the following day. Yeah. Is that what he always oh, why they yeah. were like, yeah. in your mouth? <laughs> yeah. That makes sense. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, if it's going to happen to anyone, you know? Yeah. And I love that but, Emilio Estevez is in this film. It's just so random and stupid. When they're the chocolate cake and oh, it's just God. all over their faces, I'm like, oh, this is so. I awesome. like the part where he's in his Mickey shirt and he just grabs the whole cake and a beer and sits down in yeah, front of the TV. Like, Mickey's on. He's like, like, so I said, happy. what a. <laughs> I'd be like, okay, I feel you. I'm down for that. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. But it's, I mean, the one of the big scenes in the film that I really think visually is cool is how they did the rumble scene. Yeah, I like You know that. what I mean? Visually, it's really cool how they choreographed it. And just like, and it, what's it got? Pointy Boy just came out of the hospital. He's like, yeah, I'm going to go fight. Yeah. And his brother's like. a fever. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right, you're right. It's like, what have I ever, what have I ever disappointed you before? And it's like, our friend is about to die, die. in the hospital. His back is broken, and literally, you were just involved in a murder. Yeah. Maybe you should get home, underage kid. Yeah, God. But I did like Daryl. Come on. All, yeah, you can like feel the energy of all the greasers, yeah. and then I really liked the visual of the scene when all the cars are pulling up from the socias because you do sort of get oh, like that dread. Thanks. All yeah, all the cars and I like the um the drive-in movie when they first meet Cher- Cherry yeah. and when they were filming Matt Dillon actually accidentally fell off the you know the part where he fell that wasn't yeah. that was accidentally and for a split second you can see um what's his name 
um, C. Thomas Howell look in, directly into the camera and break for a second. Like, yeah, and they kept it in the film because um, Diane Lane's reaction to him falling was so genuine that they kept it in the film because she starts <laughs> laughing at him. She's like, what? The, yeah, you're yeah. like that. That's so funny. And that Matt Dillon played it off like it was part of the film yeah, they, when it really wasn't. It was an accident. So I know. But before we get to Jonesy's take on this film, you know what time it's for? It's time oh, for no. name drop. Okay, all right. Name drop. We got to pick who we're gonna, who we're gonna do. Let's start. <gasps> Dolly Parton. Rachel Maddow. I want. I spend an hour with her every single day. Every I once played a game with Celine Dion, Liza Minnelli, Cher, Laura Dern. I don't know her. Who would you say is the most famous person in your phone? Like my good friend Ben Affleck and his crippling addiction to back tattoos. I have the best Lady Gaga story of all time. I hate him, loathe her, over them, cancel it, tell me everything. Yes, this is the part of the show, our name drop segment, which is our take on Six Degrees. So let's pick an actor from this film. There are tons of them. So oh, I mean, this, I think this is going to be pretty easy. Who do we want to pick from this film? Do you guys have a suggestion? I don't know. You guys pick. Jonesy? Um, you know who we should do? The guy we hate the most. What if we do the late, great Patrick Stewart? Swayze? Swayze. Swayze? God damn it. Yeah, Patrick Swayze. Patrick Stewart is still alive, and don't you put that out there into the universe. I know. <laughs> don't kill him, Patrick... We still need him. <laughs> Patrick Stewart. No, Swayze. Swayze. I did it again. God damn uh, it. Yes, let's do, let's uh, do Patrick Swayze. Swayze 2. Who is in our next film? Do we want to do maybe another legend that um, unfortunately passed away? <laughs> We're just doing dead people? Yeah, let's just do dead people. Okay. Olivia right. Dukakis and okay. Patrick, Patrick Swayze. Olivia Dukakis. So we will revisit this at the end of the episode and see if any of us get it. Most likely Bryn will. But this was the very first time Jonesy has ever watched this film. And she has been wanting to watch it, right? This is one that has been there that certain people have been like, well, you need to watch this film. So yes. I'm very curious on your take on this because... I know for me, I have a different opinion after watching it now. I do, I like I had said, so I'm really curious to see what you think, Jonesy. So first, I want to say I watched this entire movie basically in my head, going Patrick Swayze's character in Dirty Dancing. This is his pre-story. This is my <laughs> backstory. Yeah, this is okay. basically him before he went to the Catskills. <laughs> Cat Do you notice he almost out. looks like the same exactly outfit and everything? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, okay. And I did wonder, like, was it a thing in the 80s to make movies set in this time? Because 1965, I believe, is the time set for this. Because it feels like when it's from in the, the book. Yeah, the book okay. is set in, I want to, I had it, let me look through my notes. I want to say 1965. Okay. When it's supposed I just to be felt set. Like it was making me, it was giving me the dirty dancing vibes. It was giving me the grease vibes. And I was just like, is that what they did in the 80s? Why did they love this time frame so freaking much? Like no, they're nostalgic. Just, 1965. Yeah, I was right. Yeah. Okay. The film takes place in 1965. Yeah. Um, yes. I would say I did not like this movie at all. It really? Was my opinion, and I know we're not supposed to say this about Francis this Ford Coppola. Like, wait a minute, this is two right. for two. The last one she hated. This oh, is no. another. Oh my god, I, I can't think believe this it. This is a bad film. <laughs> wait, it. you think it's a bad film? Yeah. Why? I think 
I think this, the only way this should be shown to film students is this is what you shouldn't do. Holy moly. You guys send your hate mail to Jonesy. Come and find me in Japan. Oh my God. I mean, the film did very well box office and critically. Yeah. It was a, it's a critically acclaimed film I, and people loved it. It's so yeah, so just like whatever, Lena, but people loved it and it received a lot of, uh, you know, acclaim. Yeah. With so why, what, what about the film did you not like? Let's start there. Was it's so it so slow. Okay. It's so slow. I don't feel like um, we don't see enough of the picture. Like I really wanted there to be more with like the cops and like we're seeing the repercussions of and we're seeing the town yeah. judge the socias differently than we see them judge greasers. Like it was loosely talked about, but I felt like it was kind of empty and not enough. But do you um, think that it so was you a want good this rep- to be a law and order movie? But, no, not but also too, this is from the kids' point of view. This is from yeah. not the the parents, not the adults, not the law enforcement. It is from the actual kids' point of view. Is right, the and they're so afraid of the consequences that we never ever see. So, like to me, that was the other thing. Like, I don't understand why they're hiding in a church for a week. Why do they dye their hair? They before murdered they- someone. Okay, but none of that. But you also got to think these are like 15 and 16 year old kids that are like, what did they do in the movies? Oh, we got to change our hair. Let's, you know what I mean? They're not adults. And I get that. And I get that that makes, you know, why they make some of the rash decisions that they do, but it just, I don't know. It didn't feel flushed out enough. I, I would agree with that because the, it's whenever you have a source material that is like a book and it's beloved, like there's always more details and they always sort of. So actually the, there was a lot of fans of the book that wrote into Francis Coppola saying you cut out key parts of the book in the film. So there is another version of the outsiders that was released with those deleted scenes that are, I guess, parts of the book that got cut out that were very important that fans loved so i'm curious to like because i haven't read the book in so long um but i remember the book being way more detailed on a lot of stuff especially the family background of all the characters and stuff and how they grew up and it talks about the society they grew up in and being in oklahoma and all of that kind of stuff and how the character of dallas came from new york and fled to oklahoma and that's why he's like the street smart kind of kid in the story all of that was missing from the film yeah so do you think jonesy lena if you there they had that kind of a background it would have fleshed out the film better and made it more solid yeah right yeah i think they just i felt like they were assuming everyone had read the book so they're like phoning some of the stuff in okay and that's not a good movie that's you don't make those assumptions like yes you want to when you're adapting something you don't want to tick off the readers. I mean, I think you always will because everyone who loves a book is going to always be like, but the book was better. Like, of course. Exactly, yeah. Um, but I, I feel like they made this movie assuming everyone had a background on it. And okay. that I don't think is this. They it did didn't resonate. Yeah. Yeah. Do, was there anything you liked about the film? <laughs> <laughs> um, I really liked some of, I thought, 
I enjoyed individual performances. Like I really liked Emilio Estevez two bit. Um, I liked Rob Lowe. I liked the dynamic between the brothers and each and you know, some of the friends. Yeah. Like it that wasn't hard to believe that this is a group of friends that is like a family. And yeah. you know, they may not have parents taking care and you know, their teachers and the community may not care, but you could very much see that they care for each other and they take care of each other. What did you um, think of the relationship between Pony Boy and Johnny? Pony Boy and Johnny. I loved it. I naively did not even see anything romantic. Um, okay. Now that y'all have said it, I very much see it now. Um, but I don't know. I think whenever I'm watching kids stuff, like not kids stuff, this isn't a kids movie. Whenever I'm watching something that's about younger people, mm-hmm. I think because I had such a puritanical, like, don't even think about sex. And if you do, you better pray for forgiveness. <laughs> <laughs> it's a sin. Like, it's it's still difficult for me. Like I just see teenagers and I'm like, yeah. yes, asexual beings. Okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's not that, like I said, as soon as y'all mentioned it, I'm like, oh yeah. But yeah. Um, I didn't see it at first. I loved their relationship. Um, and I definitely got that they were best friends and loved each other. And, you know, admired and respected each other. I feel like I had that kind of best friendship um, in high school where like you, this is your person, you know what I mean? Like they know everything about you and, and you'll die for them if that's what it's needed. Like you'll go on the run with them, you know, that's, that's just that kind of friend. And I think sometimes, especially if you're feeling lost as an adolescent, those kind of friendships keep you alive. And I I mean, Johnny was suicidal, like at 14. I know. know, Well, look at his his home. They allude to it in the movie and it's very, very shitty. Yeah, He'd rather sleep outside with newspapers covering him than go home. Yeah. Yeah. And that, you know, um, he's, pretty boy, whatever his name is, is telling him like, you just got to wait until we're out of this. Like this doesn't have to be our forever. I loved that. I very much, like I said, I liked the relationship between the characters. I thought the individual characters were good. I just thought the storytelling was bad. So in the DVD release that came out in 2005, the complete novel, there's like 22 extra minutes that they had cut out and added back into the film that are really based on the novel, which I thought well, was interesting. And, and I'd be interested to see that version of it. Any time yeah. that you go from specifically like a novel like this to a movie, it seems like you're cutting too many things out, but then it also seems cheesy. Like yeah. it's so dialogue heavy that like saying, like mm-hmm. if you're reading this kid saying a Robert Frost poem to his friend while they're on the run, it's like romantic and stuff. But seeing it with C. Thomas Howell with bleached hair in front of a blue green screen <laughs> yeah. seems like cheesy, but like it is also very of the time. Yeah, like it was like everyone's yeah. deep and feeling and and, and feelings. You know, they were in their feelings. Feelings, and expressing well, them. Yeah, I do think at the time this, I you know, if I had seen it closer to when it was made, I mean, I was too young, but. I would have probably enjoyed it more. I do think that this is one of those movies that does not stand the test of time. You know, 
we now have, I feel like higher standards for our storytelling um, that this movie would not be made this way these days. I, I still um, think the movie is, is important to cinematic history. I do think, I think it's a classic. I think, especially if you read the book, you should probably watch the film. <laughs> I think it stays true to the, for the most part, the, the source material. Like there's, it's not too different from the book. Um, it's a very, very nostalgic film, I think, and it's a very capsule. Like it's a very significant part in history, especially for the 1960s when there was social classes more defined than it is now. And I think um, it does a good job in a way of showing like the greasers and the socials from a uh, adolescent point of view. And and you got to think a lot of these, all of them are dealing, all of these kids because the characters are kids are dealing with such heavy material of life stuff that it's like when like the guys when they're like oh I have to get in his car they're gonna murder you and it's as a kid thinking that you can't go to the adults around you about this stuff is like insane yeah and how like okay the thing that I think like kept thinking about when I watched the film was like. There is a teenager who got murdered, and all of these kids at the film, when Ponyboy comes back, are going to one of their classmates' funerals. <laughs> and then you have not just that, you have Johnny dying, who in the film is 16. And then right after that, they're like, I guess you could say, person they looked up to, especially Ponyboy, Dallas gets shot in front of all of them. So, I mean, all of these teenagers in this film are dealing with way more heavy subject matter than even adults are dealing with. Do you know what I mean? I I get that, but I also feel like we get that in Greece, and that's a better film. <laughs> but Greece is a different like st- no no Greece is a completely different genre of film it's a musical and it's I light and that, there's nothing saying- realistic about it maybe the thing you don't like about the film is that it is more of a darker turn for an adolescent point of view it's not no that's not what I don't like about the film candies. because I really do feel like as much as I hate when they remake movies, this is one they need to remake. Let's throw this one out. Let's make a new one. I don't, Um, I disagree. I think it doesn't need to be remade. I think we're fine with what what, what we have. I don't think it could be remade. I don't think so either. No, and we try and make it too gritty. And it is just like, part of it is that part of the charm of it is like the innocence of it and the cheesiness of it with also the reality of what's going on. Like the part where they're shot like Dallas, all the kids are running down and like Patrick Swayze, they're all screaming. He's just a kid. He's just yes. a kid. There's no gun. There's no bullets in there. He's just a kid. And they shoot him and they keep shooting him. And it's like, yeah, yeah it's so stark. I wonder Lena, if maybe it's because a lot of films that come out now, it's like, bam, bam, bam. Keep your attention. Keep your attention. Cause you lose your attention within 15 seconds, 20 seconds where this is a very, it reminds me of a very specific style of film where it is, like you say it drags but it's it's just to me it didn't drag to me i thought it was the pacing was fine because i know films that came out in that era especially a ford uh francis ford coppola film they're very they're not the like pow wham scene after scene action scene this big thing this big thing it's a very slow quiet type of build right 
It's like a well, play. It's yeah. dialogue yeah. driven and they're ratcheting up yeah. the emotions. And no, yeah. I could see what he was doing. Um, I have seen all of the Godfather movies and I can see the lead up. I can see this building up to, you know, I think we kind of guessed that he did the, the Godfather movies after, after this. Yeah. So like, I get that this is his way of storytelling. I don't think it was quite sussed out enough and polished enough. I feel like there was more that could have been put into it. Mm -hmm. It's not me judging it from 2021. It's me going, oh, we've come so much further. Francis Ford Coppola himself came so much further in being able to tell that kind of saga kind of movie yeah. where you are okay sitting there for three hours. Yeah. Um, but I don't think this movie was a success in that. I, I mean, think that it you are was right in this. Like, what are we emotionally invested in? There's like one inciting incident, right? Mm -hmm. And then there's no other rising action. Yeah. Until we hit the climax. It's like, okay, Until then they're the hiding. It's, yeah. It's not like people are searching for them or they're planning a new life. It's like we hit this plateau where it's like they're sort of just chill, not chilling, but they're eating melody sandwiches and reading Gone with the Wind and being introspective. And it's not sort of like a room with a view because we don't have that romance, you know, it's, it's yeah. while that's happening, we're sort of just in this limbo. Yeah. I get that. Well, yeah. and I feel like there were parts where we really could have like the scene between when they get back to the town between the Soch that was like the best friend with the dead guy yeah. who got killed yeah. and, um, Pony Boy. you know, what's his name? Yeah. Pony boy. When they have their scene where they kind of go away and actually talk about how, you know, like, in the end, I actually lost my friend and, you know, it doesn't, it's not even my gripe with you. It's just, this is the way it is, you know, and Cherry references it too. Like, well, I'm telling you this, but I'm not telling you this because I'm not supposed to be talking to you. Like, I felt like those moments could have been more to then make the storytelling better instead of this, like, Ugh, I don't know. Like it just, okay. I, I don't think it was. I just find, I find it interesting because welcome to the dollhouse kind of had the last film we did kind of had the same feel as this, where it is a very, at the time when the film was made, especially this one in Hollywood, there really wasn't a, a lot of films offering out a realistic viewpoint of kids from the wrong side yeah. of the tracks. So I think this falls in line with like Welcome to the Dollhouse, where it is a pretty realistic depiction of teenagers at this time. And I don't know, but I just find it interesting that you had a problem with Welcome to the Dollhouse, which was like that, where it was very realistic for kids in 1995-96, where this is 1965, and it is a very realistic yeah. viewpoint of how kids would act, talk, and all of that at this time period. I don't know, but I just think it's interesting. We don't, we don't, we don't watch just reality even reality tv is yeah. not real because it would be boring and how me, dare you say that <laughs> no i'm saying so no that makes sense Give you don't want it as a as an audience member for yourself you don't want to see a realistic point of view you rather have bring me the fantasy no i want it if you can do realistic but still do good storytelling don't okay like you don't need to give me the long pauses and that kind of stuff, which carries in a live theater, 
you know, those moments yeah. you really yeah. like, you have the audience and they're waiting for you to say another word here. I'm like waiting for it to be over. <laughs> okay. I just, Gosh. I mean, I, Our that's turn. why we do this show. Cause I completely disagree with you. <laughs> I thought the storytelling in the film was great. And that's why it's held up for so many years. And that's why this has been a classic. And that's why people watch this. And this has been referred to in pop culture for so long. I don't think people are still watching this. Oh, I'm oh, you, you want to look at our social media. We posted a picture of The Outsiders. And it was, we got a lot of likes, a lot of comments. You did it. know. You I did know Stay Gold, Pony Boy. You did I know. I did that. know. You knew that I before watching the film. Oh, we should get into that. our the name drop. Let's see if any, okay. did any of us get it? Oh, I got it. What is it, Brad? Shocking. Shocking. All right. You want to hear it. Let's go. How are okay. we going to do? Patrick Swayze was in Ghost with Demi Moore. Okay. Demi Moore was in Indecent Proposal with Richard Gere. <gasps> yeah. Richard Gere was in, um, no, that's Robert Redford. That's wrong. I'm wrong. Oh, shit. You just ruined the whole thing. I just ruined it. <laughs> wow. Wow. So okay, so oh no, wait, wait, no, 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 I can still save it. Save it. Oh no, but then I have to go to the movie we're doing next. Is that a good yeah. way to do it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good so, segue. Um. Oh no, I can. Fuck yeah. Okay. So <laughs> go ahead, try um, it. Talk it out. He was in Ghost with Demi Moore. Demi Moore was an indecent proposal with um Robert Redford. Robert uh -huh. Redford was in um. Up close and personal with Michelle Pfeiffer. Pfeiffer. Yeah, Michelle Pfeiffer was in The Witches of Eastwick with Cher. Cher sure was went. in Moonstruck with Olivia Dukakis. There you go. That there you did it. Wow, good. <laughs> I was trying to get into Steel Magnolias, and I'm sure I still could if given you another could. moment. But you, because you said um, Cher was in The Witches of Eastwick with Michelle Pfeiffer and S Susan Trennan and. Um, Jack Nicholson. Jack Nicholson, and one of those have to be tied to somebody from Someone. Sally Field. I think if we thought about it, we could do it. But okay, it. so okay, let's, that's, that's what I came up with. It is time to grace with give me Dry a stinger. We must yeah, wait. We're gonna pair this film. Three measures of Gordon's, one of vodka, half a measure of Kina Lily. Shake it over rice, and then add a thin slice of lemon peel. It's drink. I like it. I know it's great, right? Another. Grace. Give me a, a stinger. Yes, this is a part of the show where we are going to pair a cocktail and a little nibblies with this film. What would you pick? Let's start with we, you, Brent. We're all going to have the same thing. What? We're all going to say chocolate cake and warm beer. I know. That's what I was going to say. But then I was going to be like, mine. no. Oh, is that what yours is going to be, Brent? Yeah, chocolate cake and warm beer is mine. Okay. What about you, Jonesy? Um, I'm going to do a bologna sandwich. <gasps> okay. Okay. And... This is what I kept noticing the whole time. <laughs> so I suffer from chronic migraines. And yeah. the whole time I was going, I would have such a fucking headache. I would be in so much pain. <laughs> no one drinks water. Nobody <laughs> drinks oh, no. water. You go to the church and they have like supplies, no water. Yeah. And I'm just like, these poor boys. <laughs> so I'm not going with a beverage. I'm going bologna sandwich and a cigarette, <laughs> cigarette and a headache. And a headache. I love it. <laughs> I was gonna say I'm, this movie made me want to smoke. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna go with like a Jack and Coke because of soda pop. There you oh. so there's that. And then I would do like a Jack and Coke with 
um, I don't know why, but like a good burger because of the scene yeah. where they're sitting in the car and they first eat like the burger for the first time after eating bologna sandwiches. I have never been as mad as I was at Pony Boy yeah. for getting upset about Cherry and throwing out that burger. I was like, oh, I know. Nothing but bologna sandwiches. And you're going to throw away burger. that burger? I was so upset. And he Jesus had barbecue Christ. sauce all, all over his face. <laughs> I gotta say, that did make me want some Dairy Queen, though. <laughs> did it? Oh, we Dairy Queen. I forgot they drive you. They get the burgers yeah, at Dairy, at Dairy Queen. Queen. Yeah, the little girl's like, "You got a, a dollar or a quarter, Mister? Got a nickel? <laughs> Just some random kid Was coming up. Was that Sofia Coppola? Yeah. Was there like, you gotta get her in. Get her in. Gotta get her in. Gotta somehow. get her in. <laughs> Please tell me it was Sofia Please. Coppola. <laughs> it was. I'm saying that right now, even though it's all right. Okay. Let's get into our grades for this film. So what did we give the film originally, Jonesy? So you both gave it an A. Okay. Bryn, are you going to stick with an A or are you going to change it up? I'm going to say A minus. Oh, okay. Still giving it an A. I'm keeping it with an A, but it was, there were some moments where I was like, this is a little dated and, yeah. you know. You know yeah. I am, I'm going to give it a B plus. I'm you dropping it down. Wow! Yeah, really yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a B plus because I you I you've been seeing how much you love it. I do. It is. It's a great film. I it definitely deserves a B plus. Um, to an A minus is where it is. Okay. But I do think, I think for me it was. I just didn't. I don't know how to put it because when I first watched, it, I was in high school. I you know what it was. I just wasn't as homoerotic for me this time around. Yeah. Maybe that's why. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what about horniness, you, Jonesy? My what was your horn- level was zero. Zero? Uh, wow. Zero. Because I see Hinton had said that stuff. Originally, yeah. my horniness level in this movie, pretty good. Yeah. Because I imagine like long nights oh, in the abandoned I church. I did too. See, now, don't you think if they remade that film and someone put a little oh. bit of that, like tension in there, way better film. Maybe. Oh, yeah. But then the author would probably be like, no, don't. You can't have the how rights. I wrote it. Well, wait till she dies. dies. She can't there you go. From death. So, what are you going to grade this film, Jonesy? I'm going to give this film a D. Oh my God, that low? Yes, this I oh really. God. This was not a good movie to me. There were some good performances, but it was not a good movie. Yeah. Right. Okay, our audience, if you're listening or watching the YouTube. Do you agree with Jonesy or Hello. disagree with Jonesy on the D grade? I am very curious because I know a lot of people like The Outsiders. I'm so I'm the curious. guy that I'm dating wants everyone to know that he's just very happy that we have picked a movie that he could follow along with. Our next movie? This or one and this, our next movie. Okay, good. <laughs> that he can follow along with. Unlike you're the finally movie. picking movies that I understand the plot That's of. That's funny. And I am a fan of that. Oh, God. Speaking, real quick, speaking of our partners... Blake loved this movie, watched it with me. That's the hubs. And he even said, yeah, this one doesn't hold up. Really? Yeah. I thought it did. I thought it was still a decent movie. I didn't think it deserves a D. Yeah, I don't think it deserves a Okay, so should we talk about our next film? Which I am uh, very excited for because I've actually watched this one so many times over the years. I own this on DVD. And I literally, before we even picked this as our next film, I watched it like a couple weeks ago. and And I love this film. I love it. I love it. I love it. It is a 1987 romantic comedy Moonstruck starring Cher and Olivia Dukakis. Yes. 
We're finally doing Moonstruck. We have talked about it. I know Jonesy has been wanting to see this film for such a long time. And I think it'll be a nice palate cleanser after The Outsiders. Yeah, yeah. So, Jonesy, what do you think the film is about based off of the the name and the movie poster? Um, I know you've seen, like, heard about it and kind of know. No, I have not. Really? Oh, I thought you did. I am coming from this totally blind. The only thing I know. You come is to us. They're wearing a coat in front of the moon. Oh, so yeah. good. <laughs> okay, um, what do you think it's about? So I'm gonna make something up because <laughs> I have no idea what this is about. Um I feel like uh, everything happens at night so that the moon can be involved all the time. Okay. And okay. Cher is a young woman who's trying to find herself and find her place in the world and so it's like a girl about town movie because new york city's in the back and so i feel like it's like you know Uh, like they're trying to before she became share that (laughs) moment has to be at the end so like i feel like there's it's a girl growing into herself and figuring out who she is. Okay. I'll take that. I think you're pretty close. I'm very excited for you to watch this film. Um, So that is our next show. We will be do diving into Moonstruck starring Cher. When are our grades? Oh, I'm giving this an A plus plus. I love this movie. A. I say A. A. Okay. You don't like just it? a thing. All right. Wow, Bryn. I have a feeling we're gonna fight on this next episode. <laughs> we might. We might. <laughs> but that is gonna be it for us. Next week we are gonna do all about Moonstruck. But you can follow us on Instagram. We are Film Springa on there. You can email us at Film Springa Podcast at Gmail. You can follow the podcast anywhere you get podcasts. Make sure you subscribe and give us a five star rating. It helps us out a lot. You can watch us live if you want to see our pretty pretty faces. Every Every Thursday night about 7.30 or on Out at TV Friday nights at 8 p.m. We are on there too. Um, but that is it for us. Next week we're going to be doing Moonstruck and I'm very excited about it. And thanks for Bye everybody. Bye.